Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Sutton service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Good morning, everybody. How is everyone doing? It is a hot. I've got my got my juice with me because it really is. Oh, it's hot. The air conditioning is on. Um, so yeah, people who bought your fans, well done. That's good. Um, that's my fan. <laughs> oh, okay, so woo, I'm preaching this morning. I'm a little nervous, I'm not going to lie. But um, it's really, really, it's a great honor and a privilege to be here. Um, just Shaninga and I, we don't run the church, by the way. We're, we're not the pastors. I know it looks like that this morning, but Andy and Joy are the pastors of Christchurch London Sutton. So if you haven't met them, do come back um, next week because they are fab and we do love them. Um, so my name is Helen, um, obviously married to Shaninga. I've got two daughters, Layla, who is nine, and Tammy, who's four, and we live very locally, and we're just incredibly fortunate to have found such a lovely community in this church right on our doorstep. Um, let's just have a moment to pray, and then let's dive right in. Father God, we just thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to get to know you and to know your word. I pray, Father God, that I decrease and that you increase, Father God. I pray that everybody in here will have an ear to hear and a heart to receive your word. Holy Spirit, come and do whatever you need to do. Work on our hearts. Remove things that don't need to be there. Deposit things that you want to be there, Father God. And come and have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm ready to dive right in. Who's ready? Who's brought their Bibles and notebooks? Woo! Yes, good to bring your Bible and notebook because then you can read it later and see what you wrote and God can tell you more about what was said than what was said. It's also good to read the word for yourself. I can't tell you how many times I've read my, I've had my Bible and then I've seen another verse on another page and I've been like, oh, that's, that's exactly what I needed to read in this very moment. And I thought, well, if I didn't have my Bible actually with me because, you know, up on the screen they don't have the whole Bible. So, Just, you know, it's good to bring your Bible and your notebook. So, turn with me to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Um, Okay, so for the sake of time, I'm just going to read this, and then we're going to break it down. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So this morning we're picking up our series on the inward journey, the choices we make and the battles we face. And this morning we're looking, about, we're looking at despair and how we can journey from despair to hope. Um, and I, I feel like when I first read this passage, I wasn't kind of completely hit the first time. I was like, okay, yeah, it's great, but not kind of getting it. And then as I dug deeper, I began to really identify with how the disciples felt in this moment and began to understand a little bit of what was happening here, both on a surface level and also a little deeper. So I'm hoping that I can share some of the things that I've learned from this scripture with you this morning. Um, so let's break it down. So earlier in the chapter... Um, the women had come to the disciples having visited the tomb and seen the angels and, told, and they told the disciples that Jesus wasn't there. And it says in, in the passage that the disciples received it as idle tales. They kind of just thought the, the women were kind of chatting breeze. They were just like, what are you talking about? Story of our life, hey? <laughs> so now two of the disciples, they're walking a seven-mile journey to Emmaus. And they're just chatting, and this person comes along um, and talks with them, which is not unusual. You know, it's a seven-mile journey. It's, it's, it's quite normal for people to come and chat to you on the way. It's probably not so normal these days, but it was normal back then. Um, what I do find interesting is that it says that they were kept from recognizing him. And we're going to come back to that a bit later. So just to set the scene a little further, Jesus' disciples had literally risked everything. They had risked everything, their jobs, their livelihoods, their standing in their communities, their reputations, their money. They had literally risked their whole existence, their whole being to be followers of Jesus. And they had no doubt that this man was the Messiah. This was the man that was, going, that was the long-promised Messiah that they had been told about for, 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 for many, many years. For, he was long, long promised. Not long promised like upgrades to the South London Railway Networks. Not long promised like funding for the NHS. Like These are things that have been promised my whole life and we haven't really seen them. I'm talking about long promised. Uh, generations upon generations upon generations had talked about the Messiah. And here he was. He was here and it was glorious and it was wonderful. And he was going to redeem Israel and set them free. And instead, he is crucified before their very eyes and he's now dead. And it's like the whole, it's over. The whole thing is over. And the stories from the women, they don't believe them. 
it all just feels like it's a complete shambles. And maybe that is something that we can identify with. When you've put your hope in something and then you've just seen it crashing down in front of your eyes. And I think they felt disappointment, to say the least. They probably were feeling shame. They probably felt guilt. The despair was very real. And the Bible says they were downcast. They were despairing. We had a bit of a moment of despair this week. It wasn't quite like this. Um, but we have, before we lived in Kosh Alton, we were in Streatham. We were only meant to be there for a couple of years. Then we were like, we're going to have a small flat and then we'll move to a house. But we ended up being there for like seven years. It was a lovely place to live. Not as lovely as here, but a lovely place to live. And anyway, the flat didn't have a garden and it was on the second floor and it was very, very hot in the summer. Like a heat wave like this would, would just unbearable. And we would always dream of like, one day we'll have a garden. When we have a garden, we're going to have a pool. And we're going to have that, you know, the above ground one. We're going to just swim in it all the time. It's going to be great. And then we obviously then moved to Carshalton and we got a garden. But for various reasons, we haven't been able to make the pool dream come true yet. Um, but the plan was very much for next year, doing work to the house, we will do the pool. Not, prop, not a pool pool, you know, but you know, the above ground ones, the semi-permanent ones, yeah. So anyway, Obviously, on Monday, with this heat, we all broke, and we were like, okay, listen, we need to sort this situation out now. So we had a heated... We had, a, we had different, differing points of view about what we should do, and there was heated discussions. There was intense fellowship. <laughs> but we did come to an agreement late in the evening on Monday, and um, there was a pool available nearby. It was all brilliant. We went out, went out, got it. Kids were asleep. We put it up, um, really excited for the, for the children that they were going to wake up in the morning and hope their pool was going to be there. So we ha- I had to fill it up a little bit more in the morning. So I went downstairs, filled it up, let the dog out, went up to shower, woke up the girls. I was like, girls, come to the window. Da-da-da-da. And this pool, just sad, collapsed-looking pool with water gushing into the garden. And our garden was just like mud. And what had happened is that the dog had bitten into the paddling pool. And, yeah, I mean, he nearly... He's lucky to still be living with us, to be honest. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. The feeling of despair was very real. And I was, that was my moment of despair. I was just like, but, but no. <laughs> so... You know, maybe you've had some disappointing moments like this, where you know in time you'll laugh, you'll look back on this and laugh, but in the moment it's very upsetting. I did actually cry. Um, so yeah, slightly different, cutting back to the disciples. I'm not sure they had the same feeling that one day they'd look back on this moment and laugh. <laughs> um, so here Jesus comes, he's making conversation with them, and they're like, they're like a dark cloud. And Jesus asks, you know, what's up? And he's like, um... You're like the only person who doesn't... Where have you been? You're the only person who does not know what has happened. Like Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, he healed all the people. He set them free, taught us how to love. He knew all the scriptures. They've arrested... They let a murderer go and they crucified Jesus. And this was the man that was going to save and restore the nation of Israel. And instead now, now he's dead and it's been three days. And he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe... All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus is like, oh my gosh, like really, after all I've taught you, you still don't believe. 
I think maybe Jesus was despairing at this point. Um, they still don't realize who he is. But what he does now is, is wonderful because he starts to break down. Starts with Moses and he goes through all of the prophets of the Old Testament and reveals himself in those scriptures. He's like, you know, the Messiah was talked about here. Then he was talked about here. Then he was talked about here. Let's go through it all. He was encouraging them with the word. And later on in the passage, the disciples remember this moment. And they say, were our hearts not burning within us when he spoke? How many of you in here want to have hearts that burn within you today? Because I know I do. So then they get to the village. And then Jesus acts as if he's going on further. But then they, they say to him, no, come and stay. Stay with us. It's the evening. So he goes to stay with them. And this is slightly my opinion. So I don't want to, I don't want to like, this is not like, this is my opinion. If you want, I encourage you to go and research this out for yourself. But I feel like this was a little bit of a test. Culturally, it was quite appropriate for the disciples to, to offer him to come and stay. But I don't think it was obligatory. But I feel like Jesus wanted to know, were you listening? Because in Matthew chapter 25, which is earlier on in our Bibles, but in this scenario would have been like maybe a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, Jesus had talked about who was going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he talked about goats and sheep, and he said they would be separated. And to the ones who entered the kingdom of heaven, he said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. And they were like, when did we do those things? And Jesus said, as much as you do it for the least of these, my brothers, you have done it for me. So here's that very scenario they're being presented with. And what are they going to do? And then on another level, and I think that maybe this is a question we can ask ourselves, or maybe God is asking us this morning as well. He was saying, where is your heart for me? He'd just been encouraging them this whole walk. And then now he gets to the point where they're about to go separate ways. And he's like, does your heart want more of me? Or is your heart so hardened that you're willing to let me carry on? And that really struck me. And I think that's a question we can ask ourselves. Is our heart really yearning and looking and wanting to be encouraged by God? Or have we allowed our hearts to get to the point where we're just like, I don't want to hear it anymore. Go along your way. Thankfully, the the disciples did invite Jesus, Jesus in. And, and this was a big deal because what happens next was, 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 was life-changing, world-changing. They, he sat at the table with them. He took the bread. He gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Suddenly, they remember the moment from just a few days ago when they had been at the Last Supper and Jesus had taken that bread and they get a whole moment of revelation of, oh my gosh, he, this is him. He is here. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that clip from um, the Graham Norton show. How many of you are Adele fans? Adele fans, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have seen that fake audition that he set up when she goes, it's Jenny, yes. She goes to the audition. We're not going to show the clip because unfortunately there's not time. I did have the clip. I'm sorry. Do you guys really want to see the clip? <laughs> You'll have to YouTube it. But Adele, Jenny audition. It's wonderful. But there's a, basically he sends, he sends Adele to this audition for Adele lookalikes. 
and she's got some like funny makeup on so she doesn't really look like herself and um, she's there and you know they're there and they're chatting backstage and you know she's chatting with them and then she goes on stage and she like fakes that she can't she's like misses the drop in the song and she's like oh sorry and then she starts to sing and, and you know, all the other Adele's are very lovely they're like encouraging her and she starts to sing and there's this one there's this one Adele <laughs> she's singing that like this and th she starts to sing she's like hold on it's her, it's her. <laughs> and I just love that moment, that light bulb moment when they're like, hold on a minute, it's actually her. I feel this is what, this is the disciples right now, except it wasn't Adele, it was Jesus. Much better, much better. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I made myself laugh. <laughs> so after they have this moment where they're like, okay, this is a re revelation moment to them. And they get up and they return at once to Jerusalem and they, found, they find the 11 and they say to them, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Paraphrasing, the women were right. Take notes. <laughs> the women were right. Ah, <laughs> oh, Stick with me, I'm on the home stretch. Nudge your neighbor, you're getting too hot. I know I am, but it's okay, it's okay. So what does this mean, what does this mean for for you? What does this mean for me? What does this all mean for us? Well, maybe you're in a place where you're feeling despairing. Maybe like the disciples in this passage, you are feeling downcast. When we talk about downcast and despair, it's important to understanding that despair is a feeling. That it's a feeling that there's no hope that there's nothing you can, you can do to improve a difficult or worrying situation. It's a feeling of loss, of hopelessness, helplessness, despondency, depression. That feeling like everything is wrong and nothing is going to improve. But today we're talking about journeying from despair to hope. Because hope, on the other hand, is wanting something to happen and thinking that it is possible. Wanting something to happen and thinking it is possible. It's a desire. And it's one of the definitions is to cherish a desire with anticipation. And I love that definition, to cherish a desire with anticipation. Desire is important. John Maxwell put, put it thus, where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. I did that one with my hands. Where there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. Proverbs 13, 12 puts it like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. How many of us in here want to be a tree of life? Having our hope postponed and postponed and postponed, it makes our heart sick. It's, it's despair, that feeling that nothing you can do is helping to improve the situation. I just feel so helpless and hopeless. But desire... Desire is important. It's something we should cherish because that is where hope lies. In the passage, they went from being downcast to having their hearts burning within them. And we're talking about life force. We're talking about motivation, inspiration, hope. These are things that, in my opinion, are essential for just getting up in the morning you need these things in order to, to do anything in life. We need hope to put our hand to something, hope that we can succeed, hope that we can do it, that it is possible. 
So what do we do when we are downcast, when our hope is lost and we're in a place of despair or depression? I believe there are three things in this passage, very convenient, three things. There are more. Of course, there are more things, but I'm going to highlight three. Um, One is repent. If we go back to the beginning of the passage, it says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Sin will keep us from seeing God, and it will keep us out of his presence. If we flip that over, Anything that keeps us from seeing God or keeps us out of God's presence is sin. And we need to repent for it. Disbelief that leads to hopelessness and despair is sin. We need to repent for allowing ourselves to feel about what we see in front of us to take us from a place of faith and hope to a place of unbelief, sadness, hopelessness and despair. We need to repent for our unbelief. We, can't, we are people of faith. We can't look at situations and allow them to move us. The second thing is, hear the word. What did Jesus do when he saw them downcast? He gave them the word. He went through the scriptures and encouraged them. And I think Jesus is so gracious and loving in this moment because he really could have been quite upset with them. But instead, you know, he's a bit like, oh, you foolish people. But... Let me, let's get right to it. And starting from Moses all the way, he's encouraging them. And we need to do the same for ourselves. We need to come to church. We need to put the, I don't know, gospel radio station, premier gospel radio. That's what we listen to in the house. Premier gospel. Music for life. Um, yeah, put, your, put, the, put Christian music on in the background. Um, on your way to church, listen to, I don't know what you like to listen to, some of the Christchurch podcasts. Joyce Meyer, I love Joyce Meyer. Um, put, put the Bible on. Get people in your ear. Have the word. Hear the word. Hear the word. Um, we did a... I've lost my place. Hear the word. Yes, hear the word and see how your heart starts to burn within you. In Jeremiah chapter 15, uh, six, uh, verse 16, it says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. We did a series recently, um, the I Am sayings of Jesus, and we talked about I am the bread of life. When our body is fainting, we put food in it. When our spirit is fainting, we need to put food in it. And our food is the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And then we also need to invite Jesus in to stay. They invited Jesus in to stay with them. The moment everything changed for the disciples and really for the rest of the world happened just after they invited Jesus in to break bread with them. And we need to do the same. Invite him to come into your situation. And I'm not talking like booking him in like you would a plumber. Be like, Jesus, you need to come in and fix this. This has all gone wrong. Can you fix it? I'm talking about inviting him in as a friend to chat, to pull up a chair, to break bread with you, to listen as well as to speak, to make room for him, give him a platform in your life so he can show you who he is and how much he loves you. Maybe I can invite the band to come up again. 
Our moments of deepest despair can become our moments of greatest definition. This time last year, I was in the depths of despair, and I'm not talking broken paddling pools. Um, some of you know our daughter Tammy was in hospital. She was in a coma in intensive care. She was having seizure upon seizure upon seizure, and nobody was able to stop them. And my moment of despair became my moment of greatest definition when I realized I have to repent for my unbelief and put my faith and trust not in a system, not in, not in people in front of me, in professionals, no matter how experienced and well-read they are, but I need to put my belief in the one who is above me and who is in me. Amen. And that was where hope was birthed. And a year later, she's here. She's here in Children's Church. She was swimming in our paddling pool this morning, so there's hope there too. <laughs> um, so I've walked, I've walked this journey from despair to hope. And maybe you're, you are here, and like the disciples, and like me, you've been in a place of disappointment, where you feel like there is nothing you can do to improve the difficult situation you find yourselves in. Perhaps you're experiencing a sense of loss for a nation, for a home, a job, your motivation, or even a loved one. I want to pray for you. Perhaps you've carried a feeling of hopelessness or helplessness for so long that you've let go of the very thing that you had hoped for. You feel like you've reached the end, that that dream has, has died, that's not for me. Life's become too hard, and so you've now become despondent. And maybe you've decided you, know, really, you don't really care about that anymore because the pain of facing up to what has happened or not happened is too much. And I would like to pray for you this morning, and I believe that God is going to turn some things around. So if I can invite you to stand to your feet. And just as we worship, I'd like to invite you to have a moment of reflection. Perhaps we can ask the Lord to search our hearts and show us where we need to repent. Perhaps we can reflect on how we can have more of God's word in our lives and think about inviting him in to stay, to break bread with us. And then we'll pray.
Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. It's a new life more. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide. disciples was a moment that really defined history. This moment sparked a surge in faith in the believers when they reported back to the others that it is true. He is indeed alive. And that set the believers up for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And that lit a flame that has been burning ever since. I just believe that as God turns despair into hope. It will set the stage for some of the biggest turnarounds in our lives that we have ever seen. And I believe that that moment can happen today. And that's what I'm going to pray for. And I want to encourage you to come up. If you would like to receive prayer, you're welcome to come up either as we worship or at the end. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the love that you have shown for us. The steadfast love that will never let us go. We come to you as your children, Lord, and we say sorry. Sorry for giving up, for burying dreams, for throwing in the towel, for not believing that you are powerful enough or that you love us enough to come through. We repent, Lord, and we turn to you this morning and we ask you to come, Father. Come into our life. Come and breathe life into the dry bones. Come. Come and change our hearts. Spark desire in us this morning. Birth your desires in us this morning. May we burn for you and for your kingdom, Lord. Come and have your way.